0: Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message, and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Dr. John Joseph. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.
1: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Okay, let's do this. I wish I had time for pleasantries. My name is John. I love Jesus. (laughs) By the mercy and grace of God, I encountered Jesus 28 years ago. Gave my life to Jesus. The day I got saved, I started preaching. My father was a preacher. My grandfather was a preacher. Uh, But, you know, being born to a preacher home doesn't get you saved. Encountering, humbling down, receiving Jesus Christ as your savior. That changes everything. Well, that was a picture from a few years ago. I think I have a better picture. I'll get one for the, the next service, maybe. Uh, my kids have grown up a little from that the last time. But I was, I was happy to see that. I was saying, wow, they look, they look cute. <laughs> uh, bring greetings from our church, uh, from my uh, wife and children. Uh, kids. Uh, my daughter is taller than my wife now, so, so, so that can't be that. All right. And uh, so thank you so much, Pastor Joaquin. Thank you so much. Uh, for your entire family. Thank you for walking with Jesus. There are so many that name the name of Christ, so many churches that call themselves a church, but not many that walk with God. This morning, uh, as, a, as a church, we have a passion. God has not called us here uh, on this planet just to uh, do church as usual. God has called us to be the church, to be the ecclesia. And uh, I, when I was coming in, I saw the, the, the is that the Spanish word? Eglesia With G? Is that the way you say it? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the, the, God has called us to be the ecclesia. I wish I had time to really talk about that. It is so much more powerful than just some of the words we just know. And God's just not called us to be born again and get ready to take off to heaven. God is, God is here on the planet because God wants us to be transformed and to be an agent of transformation in our land. Amen. God has, God has called us to be vessels of his anointing. To bring heaven down on earth. So this morning I want us to quickly look up Romans in chapter 12. And I'm going to talk about something powerful. I God to rush. I got 30 minutes. So I'm going to try to share this. Uh, the Bible talks about, about uh, Romans in chapter 12 verse 1. It says, therefore I beseech you, brethren, the view of God's mercy upon your life. I was 13 when I attempted suicide. I tried to take my own life. I was very successful as a young man. Everything I put on, I was empty in my heart, but, I was, but, I, I, but, but everything I put my hand on, I was successful. I got into music. I thought music would satisfy my, my emptiness. I, I played bass on a band. We sang, we did stuff, but I'll come back, lie down in bed, wonder why am I so unhappy? Then someone said, music's not the answer. Sport is the answer. So I got into sports, started playing ball hockey, went on the district level, regional levels, went on all state Came back with prices, lay down in bed, wonder why am I still so unhappy? And someone said, "That's not the answer." They said, uh, "Have a girlfriend." That's the answer. And uh, back in my time, you know, uh, where, where, when I was much younger, in our culture, it's not cool to to get, uh, to have girlfriends when you're in high school. That's not cool. But yet, some of the bold men and women, you know, they hung out. And I saw some of these. See, men and women having girlfriends and boyfriends and in relationships, and I looked at them, and something told me in my heart, they're not happy. Because you cannot fulfill in a relationship what God intends to fulfill inside a marriage. Amen. In fact, I tell my church, I say, I tell them, oh, by the way, Pastor Joaquin, I've stolen one of your statements. Uh, I want to tell it for the record. I love what you said when you came. No finance, no finance, No romance. I love that. I love that. I love that. That was fantastic. That's fantastic. So um, a lot of young, young people in our churches and a lot of people that, that they want to get into a relationship. But, but I want you to know there are no guidelines in the word of God of how to have a good premarital love affair. Do you understand what I'm saying? It talks about how to be in a covenant of marriage. How to walk in the covenant of marriage and how to take it from there. So I looked at the relationships people had and I I just knew this was not it. I I just knew that they were not happy. Uh, And so I wouldn't be happy. Then someone said, that's not the answer. If you could make money, you'll be happy. I was 13 years old. I started going for competition after competition. Started earning cash prizes. Came back home, started spending it how I wanted. Come back home and wonder, why am I just still feeling so empty? Today I have thousands. I'm not happy. Tomorrow I'll have hundreds of thousands and I won't be happy and someone said that's not the answer have status you'll be you'll be happy they made me the the head boy in school I was very powerful as the head lead student of the school my family comes from a very respectable family uh, back in our hometown in our village you know in an urban setting you may not understand this but you go to a rural setting when our family walks down that road we got a lot of respect in that place like a patriarchal society a lot of respect and, uh, and I would come and lie down and wonder, we have so much respect in the land, why am I still so unhappy? Why is it that I have power and I'm unhappy? Why is it that I have money and I'm unhappy? 13 years old, uh, uh, you know, I come from a family full of doctors, I'm a medical doctor by training, my wife is a doctor, my brother is a doctor, my sister is a doctor, my brother-in-law is an IIT engineer, my sister-in-law is a psychiatrist, in fact, my brother has got four master's degrees in medicine. He's a, he's a master's in ortho, he's got an FRCS in ortho, he's a FRCS in surgery, he's a MRCP, GP. I mean, the guy, you, you talk about education, we have it. But education will not satisfy your soul. Amen. Education is a tool that you use, but walking with God is what satisfies your soul. Now what I want to really, amen. What I really want to, I came to a place where I was so empty, I was so broken, I was so broken. Somebody said, try religion. I went to church as a little boy and I I was first in Sunday school and everything. In in, in attendance, I was first. In Bible reading, I was first. In, In memory words, I was first. And I came home and I was still empty. But somewhere along the way, age 13, I attempted suicide. I tried to take my own life. I was so broken, so unhappy. But God had mercy on me and I can't thank God enough for having mercy on me. Age 16, I encountered Jesus as my savior. Everything changed from that day. Everything changed. I got filled with the Holy Spirit a week later and something told me that if I want to spend the rest of my life, it had to be to preach this awesome gospel. And this morning I want to talk about I want to talk about something after that and I'll just lay the background. You can be so successful and then you can encounter Christ, and then it is possible for you to spend the rest of your life not fulfilling the destiny God has called you for. Many people come to Christ and they say, I've known Christ, I've received Christ, I've accepted Christ. But, but you know what, this life is so hard, I'm not able to overcome sin. Now this morning, the, 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 uh, uh, when the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore I beseech you, brethren, in view of God's mercy, you offer Your body as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. Somebody said it's it's more easier to to be a martyr for the Lord than to be a living sacrifice. Because to die on a mission field for the sake of the gospel is a moment's decision. But to decide to be a living sacrifice every single day of your life you got to keep on making those decisions you got to choose to be a living sacrifice. you got to choose to turn away, flee youthful lust. you got to choose to love your wife and love your children and to be a faithful husband and a faithful father and to be a faithful man of God in the land. So many that have started have not finished well. And I begin to ask the question, why Lord? are there so many Christians that are starting out well, that want to do the will of God, but why are they falling short? Many want to do the will of God. Jesus says, He says in verse 2 of Romans 12:2, it says, Do not be any longer conformed to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. How many of you want to be transformed? If you want to be transformed, the Bible says you cannot be transformed, your marriage cannot be transformed, your home cannot be transformed unless there is a renewal. Which means you cannot keep thinking the same things you used to think and expect a different home. You cannot keep saying the same things you used to say and expect a different result. In fact, John Maxwell says like this, he says the definition of insanity is to, say, is to do the same things over and over again and expect another result. You swear at your children and expect them to be world changers, it won't happen. There has to be a renewing of the mind. This is what the Bible says. It says, therefore, He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now this is the important part I'm talking about. By which you might prove what is the, help me, good, perfect, and pleasing will of God. Without the renewing of your mind, you cannot even discern what the will of God is. Because the will of God will be foolishness to man. I was the... I got born again. I came to Jesus Christ and I was on fire for the Lord. 1997, I finished my medical training. and, uh, And as I was stepping out to serve God full time in the ministry... Had a great opportunity. I I had opportunities come my way. Uh, The the Lord had anointed me to preach. And when you can take one verse and preach for an hour, and you can whip up a crowd, God's given you a grace, uh, uh, you know, to speak. You know, people begin to invite you. Now, God is not just looking at whether you have an ability to speak. God is looking at whether you have an ability to honor His will. I want to tell you something. John Bevere says like this. He says, if a king had to ever take a horse to battle. He would never take an unbroken horse. The first thing they would do with a powerful horse would be to break its will so that the horse would fall in line with the rider's will. Because when the king said go, he had to go, even if it was into the thick of battle. God is not looking at how smart, beautiful, or handsome you are. God is looking at if he is going to ride on you to to fulfill the assignment of God on this planet. He has to have the ability, when he says go, that you will go. When he says stop, that you will stop. There has to be a renewing of the mind. That time, uh, one man of God comes to me and he says, John. I got this great opportunity for you. And I said, what is it? He said, I want you, I'm willing to give you an opportunity to come to our city in the northern part of India and to be the dean of a Bible school. Now, you know, when you are 24 and someone offers you to be the dean of a Bible school, you know, that began to just tickle my ego. But I had a problem. What was my problem? My problem was I was intensely in love with God that anytime anybody said anything, I would go back to God and I would say, God, what do you have to say about this? So I went back to the Lord and I said, Lord, what do you have to say about this? And the Holy Spirit said, John, John, uh, you will not take up that assignment. I said, Lord, it's a Bible school, Dean. You know, some of the things that look so big at some point in your life, later on down the road, you find out good is always the enemy of the best that God wants to give you. He's not intending you just to have something good. You know, uh, I remember years ago, uh, I was just born again. I was 16. And you know, the most important decision of your life when you're 16 is who are you going to marry? Because, you know, hormones running up. I walked, I got born again before I was in the world. Now I got born again, came to the church. I came to the church and in the church, I saw this lovely, beautiful worship leader. Young girl. I mean, she was on fire for God. And I love Jesus and you can just imagine my passions are kindled. I'm on fire for God. I want to spend the rest of my life to preach the gospel. And here is this lovely lady standing there leading worship. I was standing in the back and I said, wow, Lord, you know, because the anointing attracts and my heart was to serve God. And I'm standing in the back, and, and I said, Wow, that's a lovely lady. And I, and, I went, and I went back, of course, I did not go and propose to her. And I went back to the room. I had a problem. Anything and everything in my life, I had trained myself to begin to ask Jesus about it. Yes, sir. Now, what do you do when you have to ask Jesus about, Lord, that girl's really sweet. Do you think I can marry her? And at 16, you know, that's not really the most important thing at 16, but at 16, I'm looking at her, and the Holy Spirit, 30 minutes into that time of prayer. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, John, what? No. <laughs> now you might wonder, Lord, does God involve in those kind of things? Absolutely. Because those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Sons are led by the Father's Spirit. They carry the Spirit of the Father. So I said, Lord, you don't understand. Lord, she loves Jesus. <laughs> you know, you're telling Jesus, she loves Jesus as like he doesn't know. And the Holy Spirit said, John, no. I said, Jesus, Lord, Lord, she's on fire for you. And then I said, Lord, just imagine her fire and my fire. What fire this would be. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit said, no, this is not the one. I was upset. But I had trained myself in those days. If God said something for me, that was it. That was it. I'd go sulk for a while. I'd cry about it. God knew I'd get over it. (laughs) After some time, you know, after this opportunity, someone, a friend of mine came to me and he's a wonderful man of God. He came to me and he said, John, this is great opportunity to do a, uh, this is great opportunity to do this uh, doctoral program in, in in a very prominent Bible school in our nation. And if I put in a word, John, you will get that opportunity and you can do a doctoral program. Wow. I was 24. And I'm thinking to myself, doctoral program. I'll be great to have a PhD. And I'm thinking to myself, medical doctor and PhD doctor. That's Dr. Dr. John Joseph. And I'm thinking in my heart, that's pretty neat. Now, I don't know about you all, but back where we come from, these things are really big. So I went back. So I was thinking in my heart. uh, I went back to a prayer closet. And I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, what do you say? The Holy Spirit said, John, no. I said, Lord, what do you mean? That's a doctoral program. The Lord said, No. So what do you want me to do? So I want you to pack your bags. I want you to go as a missionary to North India. I said, you can't be serious. I said, Lord, it's 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 really nice down south. <laughs> it's at that time, you know, when when things come your way, you know, when opportunities don't come, nothing comes. When they come, they all come together. Someone heard me preach in a part of India. Some Brazilian missionaries, and uh, when they heard me preach in the, in the northern northeastern part of India, we had a tremendous meeting. I was preaching over there. They went back to Brazil, and this was the good old days. This is before mobile era, this is before the pager time. This was those times when you had those phones with the with the wire connected to the machine, all right? This is the good old time. And so I get a phone call in my office and say, Dr. John, what, can you please fax your passport copy in? This is before the email, uh, you know, was very prominent. Can you fax your passport copy in? Why, we want you to, we really want you to, uh, you know, send your, we want to get you into uh, Brazil with uh, with our churches next three months fully packed out. We're getting you a preaching tour all around Brazil. Would you please send your fax in? And I'm holding my phone and I I said, just one sec. I pulled it aside and I said, Father, what do you say? The Holy Spirit said, John, you will go. But not now. What do you do when, when you come from a third world country and invitations are opening up for you and God of heaven is standing in your way? Because God wanted to form me before he could Send me to the nations to be a voice. He wanted to break the will. Hallelujah. So that when he says go we will go. When he says stop we will stop. When he says speak we will speak. Because we are the channels of the voice of heaven here on earth. We are on heaven's assignment here. The Lord said no you will go to Brazil. Not now. I said Lord. South American revival. I said Lord Carlos Anaconte is there. I said, if these guys can just pray, touch. <laughs> What's the point of having an anointing with an unrenewed mind, with a carnal mind? Right. We won't know what to, we will use that gift, that anointing to build our empire. And then Bible. The, that, that time, I, saw I was Sultan. and I said, Lord, you can't be serious. And I get an invitation from New York City. <laughs> Dr. John, there is an opening to be a pastor in New York City. Would you come? And be a pastor. I'm talking about 20 years ago. And I'm just sitting back and thinking in my heart. New York City. I grew up seeing NYC. NYC on the caps and the t-shirts and the movies. And I said Lord what do you say? The Lord said John. Pack your bags. And go to North India. By then I just knew in my heart. That a carnal mind. Is an, is an enmity with the will of God. You can be born again in your spirit and unrenewed in your mind, in your thinking. You can be born again, but unloving, unforgiving, unkind. You can be born again. You know, I, had a, I grew up with a very difficult relationship with my mother. I loved my, we, we loved our father. We loved mommy too, but we, we, she was a very strong woman. And, and so uh, the three of us children, we took after our father because he was a great example in the home. And so, But we had a very difficult relationship. We fought with her over everything. We quarreled over everything until I got born again. I got born again and I went back home for a vacation from, from med school. And I told myself as I was going home that day, I told myself, you will not fight. You will not fight. You are not going to say anything back to her. She's going to say whatever she wants. You will keep your mouth shut. I am speaking to myself as I'm going home. I said, she, you learn to honor her. You learn to treat her well. You learn, to, you learn to, because she is somebody God is playing." I'm reading the word of God. This word of God is beginning to work in my heart. And I went home. I stayed five weeks at home for our vacation. Five weeks. For me, that was like eternity. I was like, when are you coming back, Jesus? Because <laughs> I can't take any more of this. And, you know, it's in those times, you know, my mother would go all out. You know, she'll be scolding or saying something. But those five weeks, I kept, myself. you will keep quiet. You will not say anything back. At the end of five weeks, I went back to medical school. And my sister had her some medical school break. She came down for vacation. My mom walked up to her and said, I want to ask you something. What? The brother's with you in medical school. She said, yeah. Does he have a love failure? So I said, she said, why? She said, five weeks he's been here. He didn't say one word back to me. Is he depressed? <laughs> My sister said, he's not depressed, mom. You don't understand. He's born again. <laughs> Hallelujah. Something that happens to your life, amen. It changes you. It transforms you. See, God wants you not, God wants you to get out of your mind. Listen to me. The Bible says that Jesus saw the demoniac man and the Bible says the demoniac man, when Jesus healed him, he, he was in his right mind. Everybody say right mind. You see, God, the first thing God wants to do, he wants to bring you and me into our right mind. Because you got a great job, doesn't mean you're on the right mind. Because you got a lot of money, doesn't mean you're in the right mind. Because you're a, you, you come from a wealthy home or a, or a lovely car. That doesn't mean you're right mind. Many of us, before we are born again, like the demoniac, we have been having a, a wicked mind, a carnal mind, a mind. And then we come to Jesus. The first thing he wants to do in your life, he wants to bring you back to a right mind. Say that again. What is it? Right mind. Say it again. Right what is it that God wants you to do? Because you have been discipled in the kingdom of darkness. Every one of us before Jesus came into our life, we have been discipled. And the word disciple means trained. We are trained in the kingdom of darkness. And once we come to Jesus, he wants to retrain us. Amen. He wants to retrain us so that we can now behave and think with the thoughts of Christ. Because if you and I don't think with the thoughts of Christ. We won't know how to make those decisions. I wish there was time to tell you some of the crazy stories we've done. Some of the things on the mission field where we have done. But at times people, you know, people who just come and they threaten us. Our lives are in danger. The cops are after all kinds of stuff that happened in our life. Because we are preaching the gospel. At that time, fear begins to come inside. When fear comes in, at that time, the only thing you can use against fear is a right mind. Hallelujah. Amen. One day they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, do you know we can kill you? <laughs> how can you threaten a man? Jesus thought would have probably thought to himself, I came to lay down my life. Now imagine you have come to lay down your life, and now somebody's coming to tell you, Do you know we can kill you? And you look at them and say, Be my guest, I've come to lay down my life. Now, how can you threaten a man with death when he's come to die himself? Amen. So when, when Jesus brings you into the kingdom, he wants to begin to bring you back to the right mind. But what happens is that, this uh, we're we made out of three parts, the spirit, soul, and the body, right? So the spirit connects us to God. The body connects us to the physical environment. I can touch these things because of my body. But my soul is the real me. The real you is not your pretty looks. The real you is not your sharp you know, dress that you wear. The real you is the soul. And that soul has, is made out of a mind, will, and emotion, all right? But just for you to understand, the soul that you have in computer language has two parts, primarily two parts. One is called the mind, and one is called the heart, okay? The mind and the heart. The mind is the doorway to your heart. Everything that ever went into your heart went in through your mind. You never have anything in your heart that did not go in except through the mind. Now, the heart can be, with sin nature, through Adam, the heart can be already have a flesh nature. But why did fear come into your life? It came in through the mind. Some people are afraid of darkness. What did darkness do to you? Darkness not done nothing to you, but you're afraid of darkness, you're afraid. Why? How did that come in? Because you saw some movies that may have, you know, somebody coming in to grab somebody, hurt somebody. But, but it never, nothing really happened to you. But how did that come in? Fear came in through the mind. If ungodly things came in through the mind, then godly things have to go in first through the mind. When you begin to think about things in your mind, your heart is not ready to receive it because the heart is wicked. The heart is rebellious. The heart is proud. The heart is saying, you know what, I don't want to hear that. Recently I went through a difficult circumstance. Somebody came and insulted me, spoke really mean, mean uh, in a mean way to me. I don't speak back to them in a mean way because I believe God is renewing my life. So while this person spoke in a mean way, you know, my flesh man wanted to punch him in the nose. That's what my flesh wanted to do. But as I was standing there, I'm telling myself, for I am crucified with Christ. I, it's no longer I who live. What am I doing? The mind is beginning to meditate. Everyone say meditate. The mind is beginning to think and rethink and think and rethink. Meditate upon what the word of God said. My heart is saying, punch him in the nose. But my, my mind is saying, hey, 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 stop right there in your tracks. You're not going to say anything back. My, my heart is saying, say something nasty back. Because hurting people want to hurt people. Why do you say nasty things back? Because you're hurting. And when you're hurting, you want to hurt somebody. You get in your marriage, your husband's hurting. You want to hurt him back. And boy, between the two of you, you, you guys get going. You know, you can hurt each other. But why is that? Because you are hurting yourself. And when you're hurting, your, your heart tells you, say something back. Say something back. Make him feel terrible. You know, say it in a way that he will, he will you know, he'll be upset. But the Holy Ghost comes upon you at that time. And the Holy Ghost tells you, forgive as I have forgiven you. Now your mind is saying, forgive. Your heart is saying, you don't know what he's making me feel like. Hey, this has nothing to do with feeling. It has everything to being transformed. Amen. God has not called you to be a slave of your feeling. God has called you to be a vessel of transformation. Hallelujah. So as I was walking down that road, and I am feeling really insulted. I am feeling. Everyone say feeling. I am feeling insulted. You know, feeling doesn't change your life. I'm feeling insulted. In fact, so many of us, you remember the first time you got attracted to somebody, you fell in love? For me, it was in the first grade. I even remember her name. You know, they, you know, you you saw you had butterflies in your stomach. You said, oh, he's cute. Oh, I like him. And, you know, pupils dilating, you're all excited, flushes, all of that. You know, and but basically when you fell in love with somebody, it had to do with two hormones, dopamine and serotonin. After some time, you go—you you know, years went by and now you feel that bonding. That happens because of a hormone called oxytocin. These are chemical hormones. But you thought, oh, he's so cute. He loves me so much. It wasn't him. It wasn't cuteness. It was serotonin and dopamine. <laughs> That's why after, after the, the hormonal surge is gone and he says something nasty to you, you're like, ah. He doesn't love me. You see, you got to understand something. God wants you to move from your feeling, say feeling, feeling. into renewing your mind. Amen. Amen. So I was I was feeling so insulted at that time, but I stood ground and I said, I am a slave of Christ. I have no right to think any thoughts that the king of glory does not. I cannot, I cannot think like the enemy of my king. Amen. Hallelujah. I have no right to represent the enemy of my king in my family. I am born again. I'm bought with a price. Hallelujah. And so what did I do? I was so hurt. Well, I'm standing there, but I, I I mustered the courage and I said, What are those scriptures? Hmm. And I began to think about the scripture Jesus saying, Forgive us, Christ has forgiven. I literally did this. I turned around just for a just for a moment because I wanted to add drama into it for myself. I turned around and I said, heart, you will fall in line with the word of God. Heart, you are feeling insulted, but it doesn't matter what you're feeling. What is important is that you will now glorify the Lord by the renewing of your mind. There are, there are the mind, the heart becomes, we become the steward of the realm we walk in. So if you want if you ask me, how, how pastor, how can I renew my mind? How can I really renew my mind? There are three ways in God's word, three simple ways I'm going to tell you, by which you can renew your mind. The first way I was talking about so far, the first way you can renew your mind is through your meditation. Through your, what is meditation? The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, what happens? So is he. Now medically, I can I can spend the next hour explain to you medically how this happens with the n- neurons and the brain and all of that. It's really exciting. You know what happens when we begin to think about something? The brain, the 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 the, the, the neurons have a head, they have a stem, and they have roots. They have dendrites on top of the neuron body, the neuron head. Every time you think something, think a thought. For example, you're listening to me right now. Right now, as you're listening to me, the the dendrite head, the dendrite branches of your neurons are spreading out. You literally are creating neural real estate in your mind. You're saving away information in your brain. Saving away information. And by the way, your brain is very different from the mind. All right. When somebody goes to depression, they give you depressed, antidepressant medication. That medication works on your brain, but that doesn't work on your soul. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why you can have medication, feel a little more happier, but that doesn't solve your problem. Your problem is not your brain, even though you're feeling happy because of the medication. The problem is an unrenewed mind. But God wants you. So if you want to really be happy, the Bible says you will be uh, in Rome, in Philippians 4.4, 4, it says do not be anxious. I mean, Romans, Philippians 4.4 4 says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoicing is not a feeling. Rejoicing is a choice. Amen. Amen. I rejoice because, because God is on the throne. I rejoice because he will have the last laugh. I rejoice because I'm going to eternity with the Lord. We have hundreds of reasons to rejoice in the Lord. You might say, but my husband doesn't love me. You don't give your emotional health into the hands of a dysfunctional thinker at any point. Somebody can hurt you. Somebody can lie about you. Somebody can destroy your reputation. You know, there's a huge difference between your reputation and your testimony. Your reputation is what man has to say about you. Your testimony is what God of heaven has to say about you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Doesn't matter if you lose your reputation, you save your testimony in the presence of God. Amen. You see, but you know, the, the you learn to renew your mind, you learn to work on this. The Bible says the first way you change is by you're transformed by your meditation. What about your meditation? Listen to me. Your meditation is different, eastern meditation is different from biblical meditation. What is eastern meditation? Empty your mind, empty, think of nothing, think of nothing, think of nothing. But biblical meditation is whatever things appear. Whatever things are lovely, what are things are praise report, a good report, What are things are noble, what are things are, if there be any good, think on these things. Everybody say think. think. Say again, think. think. When you're getting upset, you need to take a few minutes off to pray through your anger and then begin to think the thoughts of God. Because as a man, think it. As a woman, think it. In your heart. You know, my wife and I, we, we never have fights. You know that. You know, we, my wife and I, we never, 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 never have fights. Unlike many of you. We never have fights. We never have fights. We just have moments of intense fellowship. (laughs) Sometimes it gets really intense. Hallelujah. Uh, but you guys are nice people. Here in America, you guys never have fights. Yeah, you are all nice people. You're, you're more, you know, some, somebody said like this, you are more afraid of the law than we're afraid of God, you know. So my wife and I, we never have fights. We're just in the midst of intense fellowship. One day, uh, one day we were having this little tiff going on. But nowadays, you know, we have we married 18 years and I was 18 there. And uh, through these years, we mature. We, we learn how. To... The other day, she was upset about something. She looked at me and she said, she looked at me and she smiled and she said, I am not going to ruin a perfectly beautiful day by getting upset with you. And I was furious. And she was just happy. She's she's like, I'm not going to spoil my day. You do what you want with your day. But I'm going to just have a happy day. I heard that and I'm thinking in my heart, how dare she have a happy day and I go through a bad day. And I told myself, I'm going to have a happy day too. Hallelujah. Amen. You see why? Because she renewed her mind. She decided she's not gonna give her emotions into the hands of a dysfunctional moment, amen. Do you understand? So the first way you're gonna be transformed is through your meditation. The second way you will be transformed, listen, very powerful, the second way you are transformed is through your associations. You walk with the wise, you will be, but a companion of fools will come to destruction. You watch over your associations. We were part of a band when I was in college, we got born again, radically saved. And when we came back to the hostel where we were living, news went around that John, George and Ronnie, three of us, the prominent guys on that band, George, John and Ronnie have turned hallelujah. You know what it feels like to be, you know, leader among the young people in the college and now suddenly they turn against you because you've you've turned to Jesus Christ. They said they've turned hallelujah. And I had to make a decision that even though they mock me, I had to make a choice who I'm going to walk with. The Bible says in Psalm 1. What is it? A blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or sit in the serious coffers or stand in the way of sinners. He shall be like a tree that is planted by the waters. He bearing roots go deep, bearing fruit in season. Whatever he does shall. Which means your association is connected to your prosperity. So the first way you are going to renew your mind is by meditating on God thoughts, thinking the right thoughts, not just thinking, say after me, thinking and rethinking and rethinking and rethinking what you're already thinking. So meditation isn't a difficult job. How many of you know what it means to be anxious or worried? Wait with me. Wait with me if you've been asked. Well, that's meditation. In a simple if you know how to worry, if you know how to be anxious, you know how to meditate. Because when you're anxious, you're constantly thinking. Secondly, you make a choice about your associations. Because, of, because who you walk with. And through from that day I decided, I want to walk with the godly. I want to hang around with people. I want to hang around with people that are world changes My associations. And that means you got to let go of some of those friendships. Some relationships that are taking you down the wrong path. You got to learn to say no. And I want you to know, saying no, no is a love word. When God told me no... Don't go, go, don't go there, don't go here. I didn't like it, but I knew it was a love word. And one day I decided what God says I'm going to do. I went as a missionary, I went up to North India. And that was like, that was like 22 years ago. As I look back through those 22 years, I have seen how the Lord has lifted us up. Today the work has spread out into nations all the way from Thailand to India to, 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 to different Asian countries and into the Middle East, into Eastern Europe, into Africa, into Canada and now into the United States. We're opening up some discipleship schools, training, doing different stuff at different places. It would not have happened if I had not told myself fall in line with what God is saying. Amen. So you're transformed by your meditation. You're transformed by your Associations, number three, you are transformed by the Holy Spirit, by being filled in the Holy Spirit. Every day, the Bible says, if by the Spirit, Romans 8, you put to death the deeds of the flesh. As a young Christian, our leaders told us, every day you must pray in the Spirit at least one hour. I thank God for those people who taught us God's word in those days. In fact, they were harsh with us. They said, you got to pray in the spirit one hour, every day, one hour. So 4.45 in the morning, while everyone else was sleeping, we we would get up. I was an 18, 19-year-old boy and I just knew in my heart that what I'm going to discipline myself today is going to affect my eternity, not just my tomorrow. Many people live for the tomorrow. They live for the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. I'm not living for the 60s, 70, and 80 I'm living for after that. I'm living for eternity. Amen. I'm living for when king comes, he is going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. Don't live to just be the, the uh, a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Live to be the son of the living God. Amen. You're transformed by your meditation, you're transformed by your association. You are transformed by being filled in the Holy Spirit. They told us every day, you pray in the Spirit. Morning, I would get up and I'd pray in the Spirit. 4.45, freshen up, 5 o'clock, I'd hit the the, the roof, the terrace. We had flat terraces, concrete buildings. I'd get to the terrace of a hostel and I'd be going up and down, praying in the Spirit. Every morning, praying, 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 praying. Because I knew that Spirit man was beginning to transform me. You're filled with the spirit. You'll be led by the spirit. You'll hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Bible says whether you turn to the left or you turn to the right, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way you walk in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then they came and told me, John, you need to read at least 16 chapters of the Bible every day. And I said, what? 16 chapters? We are struggling to read 16 verses of the Bible. But the Bible is not just your everyday book. It's a constitution of the kingdom. So they told us if you can read five chapters of the Old Testament, five chapters of the New Testament, five Psalms. How many Psalms are there? 150. So five Psalms a day, you finish the book of Psalms every month. said, And one proverb. How many Proverbs are there? 31. So have we finished the Proverbs every month. So five Old Testament, five New Testament, five Psalms and one proverb. That's 16 chapters. We hit it. We stepped on the gas. We said as the man of God has said it, let's do it. We started reading it. The meditation begin to transform our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've run out of time this morning. But I want you to know if you just focus. What I've laid down today for you is so foundational. But this foundational truth can can change your life forever. Now many people say, you know, I know the Bible. I know the verses. But it's not changed my life. Let me close with this. Sheer mental ascent to a concept does not mean you'll be transformed. How many of you, for example, think in your heart it'll be nice to, to shed some weight? Yeah? You think in your heart, some of you. But how many of us have done something about it? So I agree I need to lose weight, but I ain't done nothing about it. Which means because I agree to some concept doesn't mean I'm going to do it. We believe that Jesus wants us to go preach the gospel. But because I agree to it doesn't mean I'm going to do it. So mental assent isn't enough. You need to step out there and you need to act upon what the Holy Spirit's asking you to do. Amen. Thank you so much. Three things. Number one, meditation. Number two, association. And number three, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Your life will never be the same again. Amen. Thank you so much.
0: Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to do something real quick. Um Verghese, where's Verghese? Verghese, Verghese. George, come up here please. Pastor come up here please. Um, I want you to share one last concept here. Just this is this is bonus. This is dessert. And, and we're gonna give Verghese a microphone here, cause Verghese is gonna translate red. You're gonna translate into English. This. That's, good. That's good. Just turn on the- There you go. Get up here, Verghese. Uh, in your native language. Okay. Preach and let him translate. You want me to preach in yeah. my Bring bring
1: one last thought and this guy's gonna we're gonna hear from him. <laughs>
0: Jesus
1: wants to change your life. And if uh,
0: you expect God to change your life, you need to live in accordance with his word.
1: Meditation.
0: Yes, so if you need to change
1: your life, you need to meditate. Your
0: Your association with the right people, you know, with that kind of people is going
1: to change your life.
0: You need to uh, live uh, a life that is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's awesome.
1: That's
0: awesome. Uh Varghese, give him the mic, and I'm going to speak in English, and you translate. Okay, let's try that. Oh my goodness. God has
1: called us to change the world. And if
0: you go to a country like India, India and you don't speak that language, take a good translator. <laughs> This man has been changing India for the last 25 years.
1: We're going to bless his
0: socks off. <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to support their ministry. Because <laughs> he could do more world changing in India than we can. You can do more world changing in India than I
1: can. When
0: we went to India, this is what it felt like. I didn't know if they were translating right.
1: But The kindred spirit a desire for excellence a
0: passion for Christ a life that speaks louder than words
1: they're
0: literally giving their lives in a country where many times it's illegal. Let's pray for this family. Father, thank you for the deposit of Dr. John Joseph into our lives and ministry. Thank you for his wife Hannah and his children Christine and Joshua. Father, cover them with the blood of Jesus and fulfill your purpose and their assignment on the earth, Lord, to fill the earth with your glory, Lord. Open doors, Lord. Support and back him, Lord. Allow us to support and help him get the job done, Lord. That there would not be any lack of resources. That he would be fully funded, Lord, for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says, amen, amen, amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.